It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Apart from all the shows that I'm involved in, obviously, I think Strictly John Keith could be my favourite show on City Talk. But that said, Dave, I don't understand why he's doing his trailers from Santa's Grotto. <laughs> with the dangling Christmas music in the background there. John Keith there telling you what he's up to this week, what he's about. I don't know why he appears to do all of his broadcasting at Christmas is absolutely beyond me there, John Keith. What a man he is, though. He's an absolute... Oh, he's incredible. Parts, uh, he's incredible. In fact, I mean, we should give a shout-out to him, actually, because he's just done his 250th broadcast for of his show, Strictly John Keith. And he's yeah. been going for years before then. Absolutely. And uh, Mick Coyle did a fantastic interview, if, if he can get it. And I'm not sure if they're going to play it again on the station. But Mick interviewed him for his 250th show. Oh, that's lovely. Some fantastic tales there. His impressions are fantastic. You know, <laughs> Paisley, Shanks, all that. It's, it's lovely. If you ever get the opportunity, if you've never listened to Strictly John Keith, do do so. As I say, I think it's, it is the. It, I'd say it was the uh, the jewel in the City Talk crown. To yeah. be honest with you, Dave, it's uh, it's fantastic broadcasting. It's exactly the sort of thing that you want of a, of a is it Tuesday or Thursday uh, now? He's Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, good lord! I've got, I had three two options and I got them wrong. Um, well, you know, he's also good if you're going for a stroll on a Sunday morning. I think I believe he's on at about eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, so. and it's available as a podcast yeah. as well. So you know, all in there, you should be getting all over Strictly John Keith. That's how I listen to it. I download it. Uh, anyway, 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 this. It's all in the game post Merseyside derby. <laughs> the derby where nothing happens. In part two, we're going to talk about Stephen Gerrard and Gareth Barry. In part three, we're going to look ahead for the rest of the Liverpool season and Everton season as well. Part one, we'll talk about the game itself. Um, Martinez fascinates me here, Dave. Uh, and the Evertonian response to Martinez fascinates me. Uh, fascinates me. Martinez in a very un-David Moyes way, went and managed to produce a very David Moyes derby. He made sure that if one thing was going to happen, it was that Everton were not going to get beat stupidly. Uh, yeah, I, was, I wasn't sure whether you were going to make that comparison or not, and I'm glad you've, you've, you've brought it up early. Um, I was sort of... 50-50 which way you go with it um, and it, yeah I can, I can totally I don't think it's that I think it's fast. The, the point about this was if that's a my thing on this is that's a better game if it's David Moyes managing Everton if it were the same outcome because it would have been blood and thunder mm. he'd have sent them out to block everything to win every battle to win every high ball to create high balls to create restarts to do David Moyes things it would have actually been a more interesting game I think the crowd would have been up for it more even if it still ends up nil-nil and even if it was a backs to the wall performance from Everton Martinez just killed the game he just killed it stone dead and it's, it's admirable the extent to which he killed the game but that, that was the main thrust of and I've got no issue with it as a tactic mm. I'm not one of these who gets on a moral high horse you do what you need to do and if Seamus Coleman's shot at the end r- hits the back of the net then you turn around there you take your 1-0 and you feel as though you've, <laughs> you've got a bag of swag on your back and that's fine yeah. <laughs> it's a completely valid tactic but it's interesting that it's two different ways of getting a nil-nil well there's lots of ways of getting a nil but in these instances you can imagine two quite different ways of if Everton had been on a bad run what each manager would have done mm. both could have got nil-nil but it w- one would have at least, you know, you'd have at least had people running into each other very hard. Uh, yeah, to me, uh, first of all, I-, I must have been one of the very, very few who actually enjoyed the game because I-, I thought it was a terrific insight into how both managers tactically, uh, you know, perceive a game as it goes on when various things happen, how they react to it. I thought it was really good from that perspective. I watched it back twice, I enjoyed it that much. Um, and the the thing with the, the Martinez criticism, which has come from a lot of Evertonians, they've said, you know... So it's, uh, come, from, it's come from Evertonians yeah, as well? It okay, has come intrigued. from Evertonians, yeah. Um, I was, funnily enough, uh, randomly having a debate, a long debate with Jim Beglin about this on, These on, things happen. on Twitter. and Because um, his initial reply was... Uh, only one team came to win that game and I said to him, oh, here we go. This is going to be a typical Liverpool response to it. Um, to which he said, no, we went, that was the general feel I got from Evertonians who I was talking to while he was at the game. Um, and I was curious to hear his response. And 
I mean, my initial reaction was we 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 were pragmatic about the way we played, and and that doesn't mean to say we were positive in any in any shape or form. But I thought the likes of I uh, Coutinho, Sterling, absolutely petrified. Uh, particularly our fullbacks, mm. um, I was, I was, I found myself watching Seamus Coleman with great trepidation. For some reason, I've never felt that way about him, but I felt as if he could be quite isolated there. Um, obviously, it didn't come to fruition because Liverpool would generally have more success on the on the right hand side with Ibe. I thought Ibe was fantastic, and I thought Oviedo played him well. And I had a lot of criticism. I thought Oviedo played him well. I thought I had a lot of criticism for saying that because he said, "Oh, you know, he skinned him a couple of times. He brought him down, led to a free kick, and obviously he nearly scored and won the goal." Uh, but by and large, I think it was an extremely disciplined performance from a player you know. He, he, he Oviedo, give the respect. I, but I think. And I thought I thought second half especially I thought Everton full stop played I well it was noticeable how much the ball was going through Mamadou mm. Sakho however Everton were happy for Sakho to have the ball on that flank off the base the fact yeah. that he's not going to play and even if he could they were they were overloading the other flank it very much was and this is one of my one of my frustrations in the cold light today with Rodgers is I think the, and, and he was he was clearly trying to do it tactically with the footballer in Moreno that Moreno played the second half the highest mm. I've you know he, for someone who's theoretically is, is come as a left back who was playing left wing back he basically played played the whole second half on Seamus Coleman's shoulder well that's what catches him out for the, the chance that Everton did have in the end isn't yeah because he's high so high up the there. pitch um, because he, he's quick enough obviously to catch Coleman going back the other way but he was just simply out, out, out of position um, in, in terms of a, an approach from Martinez I, I, was, I was thrilled to see it Neil and I can't believe I'm saying it actually because uh, I did say on the Anfield rap on Friday What's wrong with having a little bit of Moyes? A little bit of what we were good at under Moyes. What is actually wrong with doing that? Because he was effective. And uh, first 10, I thought when we picked the ball up from Joel, the goalkeeper, I was expecting the dodgy pass to Gareth Barry, which there were still a few, and him trying to build from his defensive midfield position. When in fact, we've seen a couple of balls fed into channels towards Naismith, who's got an amazing spring on him, by the way. Um, fed into the channels where Naismith was you know Everton was trying to play balls over the top mm. similarly how Moyes would do Jagielka always used to look at that diagonal when Moyes was in charge whatever striker it was um, he, he, that was that was a ploy of his many a time and I've got to applaud Martinez for that because I thought you know he's, he's actually seen how we he's played the percentages we always said Moyes was a percentage manager I thought Martinez played the match that way. I, I thought he he thought, well, hang on, we can get at their fullbacks here. We've got a height advantage in Lukaku if he pulls out to one of the flanks. Naismith, like I said, has got a terrific jump on him. He is decent in the air. Um, I, I was I was thrilled to see a pragmatic approach from him rather than. Uh, and I, w- I was terrified that uh, having spoken to you lads on the Friday as well about how Liverpool could tear us apart if we went for it. And that is where I think a lot of Evertonians need to realise the ones who have criticised Martin is that going for that game. I think we had done two, three, four nil, like we did in Anfield well, that time. This, the, the, this is the the difference between like, even the Moyes approach, where it wasn't that much blood and thunder. Mm. Is that? I thought it was it was it was very sort of. It reminds me a little bit, just a little bit of what Mourinho did in Anfield last year. Yeah. Everton clearly planned just to break Liverpool's rhythm. No one was looking to put a reducer on anyone. There was a number of of questionable tackles around Coutinho. They were clearly just trying to shake oh, yeah. him up all yeah. game. That, that's a different thing. What there wasn't was the obvious big derby, Everton, Goodison Park, Wumph. 
sort of mm. tackle that you're expecting, the one that gets everyone going, gets Everton moving forward. Mm. It was very much a spoiling performance, and I think it, Everton basically never wanted the game to get going. And I think again, I don't think I don't know if Moyes could have done that, but that's how Martinez decided he was going to go and get his nil nil was to absolutely shoot the football match dead. And I'll say it again, I don't think that's an invalid tactic at all. Liverpool have got to work out how to deal with that and how to get themselves going when Everton just basically sat there, played four three three zero, and just went, you know what, lads you're not getting anything out of us here for at least an hour. We're just going to sit here for an hour. We're going to make your life difficult. We're going to look to pick up little bits and pieces where we can. But this is this is what we're set up to do because we are not losing. Yeah, because it, it wasn't a counter-attacking performance. No, there was, no, there was nothing on the counter. There, there was no counter. Apart from the last 10 minutes. Yeah, the, when Barkley come on and... and the, the full-backs didn't get forward whatsoever, um, like I said, because of the threat of the, the lads you had on either flank. Um, I, I thought Sterling didn't impress me as much as he probably could have in that game, but he didn't receive the ball as much as much as I can recall. He didn't get the ball as much as I thought as uh, he, he would have on that side against Coleman. Um, the, the, the overwhelming disappointment I've got in, in Martinez's tactics is there was a there was a glaring gap in that Liverpool midfield when Lucas went off, and I thought we could have exploited it a hell of a lot earlier. I think if Martinez, you can me, you can measure the extent of Martinez's ambitions in that game by the fact he doesn't bring Barkley on at sixty. Well, I think the Naismith yeah. thing was 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 in the back of his mind there a little bit as to how long Naismith could do. Yeah. I think that was the tough that was the tough question on that. There was this idea that if Everton were going to do anything, Naismith was gonna was gonna scrap in between the lines mm. and uh, Lukaku was gonna play on Emre Jan, which didn't work, mm. uh, frankly, because it felt not unlike actually what what happened when Lukaku tried to get on Paddy McNair earlier in the season, wherein you know. It needed a bit more guile, I think, from Everton there. Yeah. Chan just dealt with everything as well, it came. The initial tussle, I was, you know, it was one of those that does get you off the edge of your seat because mm. he had a, a shoulder barge in the first five minutes, which Lukaku looked like he actually won because, yep. you know, Chan made the stumble to his left and uh, Lukaku emerged with the ball, I think, at the time. And then after that, Chan firmly won that battle. Um, I thought he was magnificent, I've got to say. He, he's bigger than I thought he was, nearly in yep. person. He's, he's huge, this lad. <laughs> But, but from what he has in size, he does not lack in finesse. He, the, the corner flag instant, I think, is quite hilarious, and he, he made a bit of a show with Lukaku there. Yeah. Um, and I, I really, I really liked his approach to a derby. I thought, you know, this is a this is a match where you see the measure of a man who's who's just come from a, a team like Bayern Munich. You know, we've yet we've yet to see him get angry even as well, and he did. There were a couple of occasions when uh, throwing go the wrong way or mm. a free kick go the wrong way, and he was fuming. And I like to see that in a derby because it shows, you know, he gets it. He knows what's going to happen. Um, but like I say, going back to to how Everton approached it in the second half, I thought when Lucas went, I thought that was that was the time where I'd look to Martinez to think, I'm going. Are you really going to go for this here? Because it is. It, it was there for the taking. I thought not to necessarily go and win the match, but to try um, and get Everton up the field a lot more to try and press a little bit higher. Put Barkley on at 60, 70. Like I said, even when Lucas goes off. Um, and I think we would have had, you know, three, maybe three or four more chances. Lucas, Lucas goes off in about 20, and my thing on that is, and, you know, it's, it, we, we were talking on the Anfield app about the idea of the bold move, and I don't think there was a bold move from Rodgers. I think that that's, it's interesting, the lack of bold move. I think I, I think he thought, the way Everton have set up here, we'll nick one. Mm. And then we, we, we'll we nick one, and then, we're, then they're not set up to be able to come on to us, and we're all cruising to... At some point, we'll nick one. We'll get a chance, and we'll nick one somewhere. Whereas I think there's an argument in hindsight, and obviously hindsight the easy thing, but I did think in the ground at the time, when Lucas goes in, is injured on about 20, throw storage on now. 
throw storage on now, give him the 25 minutes before half time. If you're worried about his legs, then just give him the 25 minutes after half time and then hook him on 70. Mm. Give him give him those that patch though, because the way Everton had set up, you might as well have just slotted Gerard in, dropped him back into centre midfield, which normally I'd be against, but drop Gerard back in in that instance, pull Sterling a little deeper and just tell Storage to go and play centre mm. forward for, for that length of time because Everton had set the stall out so much. I was thinking, well, Take advantage, lads. It's quite clear what they're going to do. They're not going to change before the 45th minute mark. They're not going to change before we all get in for the half-time whistle at the earliest. So go and put it on their toes a little bit more and go on. Because first half, it felt to me, uh, until Sturridge came on, I felt Sterling was too isolated. After Sturridge came on, I thought Sturridge was dropping too deep. It was ironic to me that Sterling was trying to play more as a conventional centre-forward than Sturridge. Sturridge then came on and played more how you'd expect Sterling to play. But then we had no one, still had no one in the box because of the the way in which the subs panned out for Mm. Liverpool. I think... You know, in, and it, you know, it's one of those ones that you'll never get to ask a manager for a variety of reasons, and he'll never give you give you an honest answer. And not least because Joe Allen played well. I mean, I thought Joe Allen did pretty well. Didn't he did brilliantly, but he did all right, best than he's looked recently. But I just think at that moment, maybe you look at what Everton are doing and you go, "All right, then, let's pen you in. We'll pen you in for forty five minutes, and we'll put our goal poacher on." That that, that didn't happen um, for, for a prolonged spell, did it? I think no. there was a there was a spell. Was it towards the end of the first half? Where I thought the, the last five or ten minutes, I thought you know. Ten, we've got to get out here. We yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool didn't turn the screw well enough. I don't think. No. I don't think they put the sustained. Pre- and I know Bolton and Everton are two very different sides, but they didn't manage to get the sustained be- pressure on yeah. on Everton that they'd had on Bolton midweek and that you've seen previously. They didn't seem that a little bit before half time, a little bit going into the second half when Gerard starts to do get himself into the game a bit more. And we'll talk about Gerard in part two and do we'll do little bits around the box. I thought that was where Liverpool began. You began to think one could be coming here. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely thought that. I did. I had that feeling um, throughout most of it. Um, with with Barry as well, putting him in with the the two McCarthy and Best, I thought were really good. Um, Barry, obviously, we, we're going to go on and talk about him. He, he was a bit of a liability for us, I think. And uh, the fact the fact that he was ineffective in his position, as in he, he didn't do the things we're used to seeing Gareth Barry doing, even when he's not playing well. He was just ineffective, you know, throughout the game. He barely got a touch of the ball. He barely put a tackle in um, of note. And I think it was glaringly obvious that then he was the one that could be sacrificed to Barkley mm. <clears throat> and get us further up the pitch um, to influence the game in a more of, a, of an attacking sense. But, you know, you you take that game in context and I've, I've tried to look at it from the, the several angles that people have thrown at me. And my conclusion is... You know, you look at the context in which the game come for Everton, we're lingering six points above a relegation zone. We've won two matches in the last 14 games. Liverpool tore us apart 4-0 when we come on to them last season in Martinez's first season. I can thoroughly empathise with his, what I call it, trepidation. I can I can emphasise with him not wanting to... He, he wants to defend as as a priority and, and keep us intact for as long as he possibly can before he thinks about launching an attack. And as I say, I think the the, the, the prime example of that is with Barkley come on so late in the game. Um, albeit, you know, you mentioned that it would have been for an injury to Naismith, he would have come on then. Um, that that would have been a forced change I'm talking about. If it, as he as he reads the game, Ross Barkley should have come on a lot earlier if Evan have got any designs on winning that game. Um 
you know, within with not nicking a goal late mm. on like we almost did. I think it's context massive. Context is massive in this, yeah. I think, because last the, the correspondent fixture last season, the three three, is a football team and a manager they were effectively without fear at that stage last season, wherein they've, they've had some fantastic performances. Everyone's up, everyone's behind them. Everyone can see what it is that that Everton side can do. They've got, you know, they've got full backing from absolutely everybody, and it's, it, he's coming like a breath of fresh air. And so what happens last season is it's three three. There's five to go, and both Martinez and Rogers are throwing the kitchen sink at the game to try and make it four three. It's crazy. It's crazy football at that point uh, when you remember that going back last season that both were determined to be the side that got the fourth but both get to walk away with the points and say well we got the points yeah. this year it did feel a little I thought I thought Liverpool was slightly uh, I think as the game wears on you do get the impression from the Brendan Rodgers point of view he's got one eye on tomorrow night he's got one eye on Tuesday as it wears on a little bit you know you can see that in the yeah. sub of, of Coutinho you can even arguably see it in the sub of Sterling both obviously had knocks but both could obviously still they could still mm. run they could still function mm. So I think that that's less, you know, it, it fascinates me this, that, that last season it was a game that was played from both sides without fear. Yeah. This season, I think it wears on for Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool enter the game with fear, but I think once we get to about 60, the, the cogs in Rodgers' head are thinking it's a six-pointer, given the, the Spurs results, it's a six-pointer on Tuesday now with Spurs for this fourth-place thing. You know, we a point here is not a disaster. Mm. We can't afford really to lose it, though. I don't really want to go all out, because Liverpool never really went all no. out. You know, I don't really want to see that moment where you, you even going to a four, taking a gamble, doing something a bit different, moving Emre Chan up maybe. All these options that were there for him you know he, do, he doesn't exercise any of them I, I don't necessarily like the Lambert change I think it's just a little like again it's a little narrative driven which we'll come on and talk about with Gerard. but I, you know it's not to criticise all substitutions because I think substitutions are rock hard but you know John Gibbon said on our show he said you know it would have been nice to see a big one it would have been nice to see the one which says we fancy this yeah. and I, I, I think his best opportunity for that was the first half was the Lucas injury to say Everton have set their stall out so we're going to go back at them like mm. this uh, you know turn to, uh, make necessity a mother of invention in that instance mm. but I think fundamentally I do actually think given what Everton did that Everton got what they achieved um, that there was only really one and a half clear cut chances for Liverpool I think you can I, I can understand the draw as a fair result argument I do think it's a great shame that that Martinez and Everton don't feel as though they can take the home derby by the scruff of the neck and go at Liverpool at the moment I think it's a, sh it's a shame to see Martinez's loss of innocence frankly from an outsider uh, you know it, it is a shame to see that the man who last season was was a said yeah. to Everton you can get at these you can play on the front foot with these you can go at them you can go toe to toe with them is reduced and reduced is the right word is reduced to saying I'm playing three holds and centre mids and in front of them I'm going to get Naismith to be, be, be me furthest forward and he's effectively going to man mark Lucas or Joe Allen and I think that's, that is a shame I think from I an Evertonian point I, of view I can, I can totally understand that over the, over, the, over the last 15 months since those two games it's a shame that Martinez and yeah. I think it's more Martinez than Rodgers in this instance though Rodgers has got his own issues with this fourth place thing it's a shame that Martinez has found himself in that position yeah I think that perspective's you know it, it's probably the most accurate out of all of them to be honest with you the, the, I think that the irony of it is um, Evertonians are, are similar thinking of myself probably no one <laughs> um, uh, my thinking is I, I'm content and happy I, I'm 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 reinvigorated to see the way Martinez set that out yeah for, I can for, understand that for a lot of reasons um, you know again referring back to the context we've just taken three points at Palace uh, we go to Chelsea on Wednesday. So you got you got four, you got four from six yeah. now. If you make it five from nine, brilliant. Exactly. Realistically, it stays at four from nine. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. You you, you win lose or 
you know, then th- that's that's decent from those three games, quite frankly, because you've taken at least a point from one of those two games where, yep. you know, you can quite conceivably get beat in them. And I, c- I can I can see thoroughly see that argument. That it's perfectly valid that you say, you know, it, it is a shame that Everton don't feel in that position. But from, I mean, remember me talking to you the past few weeks uh, about saying that, Martinez doesn't seem to have a rock bottom. This Everton team don't seem to have a rock bottom in comparison to what Moyes used to do, where we could scrap uh, a one-all draw, we could scrap when yeah. we were playing even worse than Everton have been lately. Um, and I was I was terrified that this side could not. I didn't see them sinking, stop sinking. Do you know what I mean? I didn't see there being a bottom of the battle for us to scrape. In in um, in want of a better expression, and the fact that he's shown some guile in terms of. You know we can dog out a point when we need it. It gives me a lot of confidence that we're going to be fine. If I did have any concerns, you know what I mean. If things did, you know, if it, if it come down to the crunch and Everton mm. were embroiled in the relegation battle, then this sort of performance, this sort of tactical guile from Martinez has made me think he, he's suitably equipped to deal with that. Very quickly before we go to the break, I think this, the, the the frustration I think from the outside and. Uh, the Evertonians who probably would like Everton to have had more of a go may well be some of those who are sniping at Martinez in general. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. So they, they'll probably be the exact type who are having to go Barkley as well. So if that's fair, but my issue with that is the reason why Martinez feels as though he's got to set up for a home derby to not lose is because he doesn't want those people on his back. Mm. And so you, you, this is how managers... And this this would be my concern now as an Evertonian from from, from watching that. And I, I completely accept what you're saying, Dave, and that it's great to see him be able to set up for the for the, the nil-nil, mm. for him to be able to do that. When, a manager, when you get the impression a manager's beginning to compromise what he does or doesn't want to do, sometimes it can take a lot to pull him out of that. Rodgers, it happened to him this season. Um, I remember the back end of Benitez, 9-10, when Benitez basically crumbled finally under the stress of everything he'd been under. And Liverpool started to put some real dogged performances in, but they weren't never Benitez performances. Mm. They were performances human with character and sense. But it wasn't Benitez football. And what my worry on that would always mm. be, that once a manager stops being, you know, what's Roberto Martinez a selling point? Mm. Once he stops being Roberto Martinez and becomes a variant on that, becomes a comp compromise on that then I do sometimes think that's often you know, Gareth Roberts summed it up on our show when he said he was really worried about Rodgers in November and the reason why he was really worried about Rodgers in November wasn't just the results it was that Brendan Rodgers was not putting out Brendan Rodgers football teams and that's the point at which if you're not putting out if you're Brendan Rodgers and you're not putting out Brendan Rodgers football team we might as well get another fella in who's better at that Yeah, but that, and that's that, the worry but that's the massive concern with our fan base though Neil because he, he's damned if he does and he, he's damned if he doesn't because all he's been getting he's been getting it down the throat lately that Everton are for changing, you know, and he, he's gone and got a, a, a credible draw, which I thought, you and know, changed. it looks like the most perfect performance ever if Coleman scores that goal. He's, he's gone and changed, and I can understand what you're saying. There, there is a fear there that you get stuck in that and think, hang on, I, I can I can dog my way through a bad spell. Do you know mm. what I mean? I, I'll go against what I know. Then when it comes to, when it comes the time to revert back to what you know and what you've instilled in these players, you soon sort of then think, hang on. I'm in two minds here, do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and the players are in two minds. And, you know, you just to, before we go, you know, you look at that, that sort of long ball game we played in the first half when we were looking for that diagonal. Perfectly effective. And again, wasn't Martinez. And, and I've, I've heard, um, my understanding is that players have sort of taken that aspect into their own hands where they don't like taking the ball from the goalkeeper, the, the centre halves in particular. Um, don't like giving it to Gareth Barry for him to be the instigator mm. of a move. Um, I think that says a lot about Martinez's style of management that players can take it upon themselves. Whether that's good or bad remains to be seen. OK, this is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey. We're going to do 10 minutes after the break on Gareth Barry and Stephen Gerrard. It's 
It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you now until 7 o'clock. Uh, just a talk at length about the game there, specific aspects I think which has got people's attention is the fact that both Stephen Gerrard and Gareth Barry A started and B got themselves 90 minutes. Uh, a friend of mine, Dave Sutton, emailed me uh, today and, and, and he actually mentions, he says he, he, he thought Gerrard had one eye on Barry. Dave and was just thinking to himself, as long as I'm doing a bit more than that fella, it's all alright. He wouldn't have had to move his eye, would he? <laughs> <laughs> just, just keep it fixed on one man, one position. Anyway. We'll do Barry first, then we'll do Gerrard. I think, the, I think they are slightly slightly different cases in that there's there's understandable, even if you don't want to accept it, emotional issues around Steven Gerrard and the idea of substituting him in that game. There are in, in, consequences to that, which I think a little different. I think a little different from Gareth Barry. I was stunned he got 90, Dave, in the ground. I was stunned <laughs> he got 90. I was actually thinking Everton are going to improve here when they take Barry off mm. is what I was watching. It is three holding midfielders, which is very Roberto Martinez, and then for one of them to be effectively that much of a passenger, and this is a football I've admired for years. I think he's a splendid football Baller. Mm. For him to be that much of a passenger, I think you know, he shouldn't have got the 90 minutes. Not at all. And, you know, you can see how effective uh, Bessic and McCarthy. I thought Bessic was arguably our best player. Um, and, you know, McCarthy just gives that confidence that he's in there, that he's got the legs to run around and, you know, chase after Coutinho all day. I don't have a problem with that at all. The passenger is the exact right word, Neil, because we didn't. I mean, it was abundantly clear we didn't need the three defensive midfielders simply because how poor Gareth Barry was. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He wasn't part of that trio. Mm. Um, he may well have looked it on the lineup, and he may well have been told that role's yours, but he didn't do anything to affect the game. It was literally Bessic. He looked like he was. It looked to me like he was almost in charge of space. Yeah, I got the impression. Uh, Bessic and McCarthy were in charge of men mm. and Barry's almost in charge of space and that I think he was trying to block off Liverpool the idea of them feeding Sterling through the channels be that screen in front when you've still got these two other screens one's looking after Coutinho the other one's looking after Gerrard and I think it was that idea that we've got our two centre-halves we're sitting really deep but what we don't want to do because Sterling's so good in close areas is even let him get the ball to feet and that's, what, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I think for instance when he comes on storage because he's looking to get into the game actually found himself ahead of Barry running yeah. the other side of Barry because Barry was still trying to pull that trick yeah, I, I think um, he, it probably should have been something Liverpool exploited a little bit more because he was still the senior one of the three who was given the responsibility of distributing the ball from the back. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that we played it long a few times, but by and large, when he did receive the ball from the back four or the goalkeeper, he wasn't closed down immediately. And yet still, it, it passes were going astray. Still, it was panic. Uh, every time he got the ball, I was saying, just get rid. Just yeah. get rid. I was screaming, get rid. Um, you know, you, you even look at the likes of Stones. There was a point where Stones brought the ball out, I think, deep in the second half and made it up to your 18-yard box. And I thought, he's just done more than Gareth Barry in the entire game. And that, yet, yeah, that was meant to be Gareth Barry's role. Not a marauding run forward. But the but idea of progressing the football Bringing the, the ball out, yeah. And, um, you know, it probably adds to uh, the perception that Martinez played for the nil nils or the one, you know, the critics side of it. Um, because he was he was absent, um, you know he offered nothing when Liverpool came forward. Where he should have been when Jordan and the, the one of our memory I've got the second half is Jordan Henderson marching out with it from Liverpool at the edge of Liverpool's eighteen, and being allowed a 50, 50 to sixty yard sprint all the way up to the edge of RD and Gareth Barry was nowhere to be seen. Now 
he he's the middle of the trio. Yeah, and he wasn't there. Best, you, I, like you said, Bessie and McCarthy looking after men. They're looking after Coutinho. They're looking after Gerard. They're yeah. looking after that, the, the two that play off Liverpool's one. They're looking after them, and yeah. then suddenly There's once Gerard got the, once Henderson got the other side of Naismith, no one was getting near him. He just he just moved yeah. straight the way forward. No one was coming near him, and it, it, it was a frustration actually from a Liverpool point of view that Henderson didn't do a bit more of that. No, you're I, right because one of those two would have had to have gone with him then. Uh, leaving either of the other two goal threats mm. and that's where you're thinking you know Liverpool are going to pick us off here and that's why he's completely a spare wheel Gareth Barry because there was, he didn't track a man maybe alright yeah we've just accepted that probably wasn't his responsibility nonetheless when someone's marauding into the space that he's meant to be occupying then there's severe problems I think that, I think that you'd have seen more of Henderson if Lucas had done the 90 I think Henderson feels he's got to maybe a little bit too much look after Joe Allen a little mm. I felt he was he, he, he was looking to and I I also think I also think Henderson's I don't I think Henderson was poor by the way and I said so this isn't to make an excuse for Henderson I think he should have took the ball by the horns a bit more in this but I think Henderson's also concerned about Gerard so to come on to talk about Gerard I think that what Gerard Gerard's first half I thought was abject I don't think you can say much more than the fact that I thought he, he just it was so frustrating to see because that was when Everton were trying to play a little more out from the back and you'd see the Liverpool press and you'd see how the Liverpool press works and suddenly you'd see exactly what's meant to happen when it ends up being filtered out to Oviedo or something and then you'd see Gerard's just half a stride away from where he should be a stride away from where he should be and Oviedo's now coasting away from Gerard with the ball He's, you know, it, it's it's these very very fine margins at that level and I'm sure no one was more frustrated than Stephen himself by the fact that his legs wouldn't go fast enough but it was you know it was really really difficult to do you forgive him that game though do you forgive him it because it was his last time yeah you get, you get yeah i mean well this i do but i understand why other people don't and and this is again it's one of those conversations you know the fact the, the lad I referred to before dave sutton said to me you know he was he, he was so frustrated watching gerard but he's been furious if rogers had took him off and that's how you, you can have mm. you know you can do double think effectively where this mm. is concerned because i'd say unless coutinho Unless the knock is is serious, unless there is a genuine concern around Coutinho, I think you know you can quite rightly say, well, you take the weaker of the two off. To bring storage on, you take the weaker of the two off, and you're looking to have Coutinho supply storage if you don't want to change the shape. You take the weaker of the two off, and I can accept that, and I think that that might be right. But the other side of that is, I just think that one of the things we love about football, uh, people say, you know, you're the managers <coughs> to not make emotional decisions and I understand that. But there's two aspects of that. One is, well, fo- part of football is emotion. Part of what we all go for is emotion and I didn't want to see Gerard. If we'd have been 1-0 up and you take Gerard off at 60, then fine. Because what you don't get is tons of jeered Evertonians, is 40,000 people. It would have it would have given Everton a boost. Yeah. It would have given Everton a bit, the, support, the crowd would have been on their feet, screaming, shouting, blah, blah, blah. And he deserve, and he does deserve better than that. And you can say, well, that the manager shouldn't care about that. And I understand that argument. But there's two sides to it. One, again, as I say, football is partially emotion. That's a lot of what it feeds on. And then the Liverpool players are now looking round. Gerald's not there. It feels like a massive decision by the manager, the sort of decision that puts doubt in a player's yeah. mind, one way or another. One, two... And people can dismiss this all they like. Rogers has got a dressing room to manage, and Gerard's key in that dressing room. And if he makes a show of Gerard, and let's remember this is Stephen Gerard, who in his in, in an autobiography of his says, "I have never forgiven Rafa Benitez for taking me off at Goodison. I have never forgiven him for taking me off at Goodison I when he took him off I Lucas Leiva." Yeah, he said that. And Gerard has said that, which is mad because Liverpool went on and won the game two one, yeah. and it should be, you know, the, it should really be about well, we got the results and etc. etc. I have never forgiven, he says, mm. and. 
Brendan Rodgers has got to go manage that dressing room. He's got to look them in the eye after that game. He's got to pull them in on Sunday morning because they've got a Spurs game to prep for. He's got to be able to go, you're all my lads and you're all with me. And like it or not, this man is a huge figure in that dressing room. So many of them, the way they talk about his captaincy, it's a big deal. So whilst the cold-hearted decision and probably the correct decision could have been to hook Gerrard. I'm not hanging anyone out to dry for the fact that he got 90. I will accept for everything Steven Gerrard's done in Merseyside derbies, he gets 90 in that one. Mm. You know, it, you might he's, he's, he's Liverpool's second highest scorer ever against Everton. And, uh, and as I say, I completely know, acknowledge, doth my cap to the rational argument, to the argument of he was a pass. But the other thing was, He's also Liverpool's top scorer this season. He's also, you know, he's, he's taken great free kicks. He scored one in the, in the, in the corresponding fixture around well, earlier in the he season. Nearly sco- he nearly scored three times in the game. You know, he, and he, he had that left-footed uh, curler. He had the free kick in the first half, and he had the overhead kick. And <laughs> that overhead kick, by the way, mate, I had kittens. Well, yeah, and, but also the other one is that there's a point in the second half where St- if, St- if Sterling pulls it back, Gerrard's arriving onto the six-yard box. Because the other thing as well is Liverpool weren't filling the box. Well, Gerrard knows how to do that. He wasn't doing it well enough first half, but second half he was. And for me, there was an... I don't think there was grey area with Barry. On any front, I don't think there's yeah. grey area with Barry. Barry should not have finished the football match. But with Gerrard, there was enough grey area in terms... Just about enough grey area in terms of what he was doing on the pitch. But there's also the enormous grey area of what he is, what he means, what he is to his teammates, yeah. what he is to Monday morning for Brendan Rodgers. All that said... This is why, and however it's happened, however Liverpool have handled it, however Gerrard's handled it, however the whole, th- however Rodgers has handled it, Ian Eyre, whoever it is, however it's gone, I am now really rather certain that the best possible outcome has happened over Gerrard's contract. Because the idea of Stephen one more year on, going through this rigmarole that we've just saw on Saturday, where he's got to put, he's getting one more Merseyside derby away at Goodison, so on and so forth. You feel you've got to play him, so on and so forth. When he's another year on the legs there, when he's gone through all this again, when there's still question marks week in, week out about him being selected, I am, insofar as you can be, because wonderful man, wonderful figure for the club, a, a proper role model in the proper sense of that word, not not, not in the, 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 the ruined sense by people trying to slaughter footballers. A real fantastic figure in the history of Liverpool Football Club, possibly the greatest ever player. All that said, I'm now glad he's going to LA Galaxy. I'm glad it's done. But what would you... How, how, how would you sort of convert that into the timing of what he said? Because, I mean, you know, again, talking hindsight and, you know, it's purely hypothetical, but say Gerard, the inevitable's going to happen and he's leaving at the end of the season for LA Galaxy... Say he announces that after the derby, does he? He, he probably gets hooked then, doesn't he? I, I think he might. He may well do. To be honest with you, that, yeah. th- there is an element to that. But then I think that, for instance, we've seen this is one of the reasons why I think the managers made the decisions he's made with reference to Jordan Henderson, dropping him in centre mid and keeping him there. Why I think he's, you know, I think there's other things that have gone on on the pitch, and I think you've actually seen less Gerrard in the last six weeks because I've got no doubt about this. I think Rogers would love to keep Gerrard because I think the influence he has around the football club, what he's doing for him in the dressing room. It, I think he, so. He'd be he'd be perhaps giving him more games than he would intend to in order to try to keep him. Do you think he? Do you think he fears life after him? I, I don't think he fears it, but I think it's a, it's a new set of challenges where you've not got this lodestone. You've not got this guy who who's got this information and who's mm-hmm. able to to pull this dressing room together around you. I think Rogers has cleverly, but I think also sincerely kept himself close to Gerard. I, th- I don't think there's any getting away from the fact that the outpouring you saw when Gerard announced his retirement. All the professional footballers who played 
and many of those who played against Steven Gerrard could not respect him more. Mm. So you can discuss all the things in his personal life or anything like that, they're separate things. Or the idea that he may or may not have gone to Chelsea, separate thing. People who shared dressing rooms with Steven Gerrard, there was the lovely thing about the lads who was the trialist goalkeeper where Steven came up as dead humble, introduced himself, mm. did not like you know who I am, spent the entire game talking to him, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Footballers who played or been around Steven Gerrard all go, Steven Gerrard's fantastic. He's a great man. Yeah. He's a great man to have around the place and all that sort of stuff. So Rogers loses that great man. The man who he can turn around and say to any of his misbehaving young players, you look you look at him. He's got twice your talent. Yeah. And you look at how hard he works, the way he lives his life, the way he is this football club. You look at him. And I think that having someone like that around can only be a good thing. But there is an argument which is that but next season Liverpool can have three really, really pacey lads playing up front when they come to mm-hmm. Goodison Park who can who can scare the living daylight out of Everton. Yeah. And I think that that is, there's a point at which there's the seesaw, and I think we might have sort of saw saw the seesaw a little bit on on Saturday at Goodison Park, wherein you can now see the sort of the benefit of, he's going to go to LA Galaxy, he's going to be Steven Gerrard, have a great life, spend more time with his kids, be able to go out in LA, he's going to get to be happy, he's going to get in some money, he's going to play his football every single week, hopefully he's going to have a great time, but hopefully Liverpool now can see the benefit in having another quick pair of legs up there, having someone a bit different. Yeah, I think that's spot on that, because you can see, you know, for the, the, the football purists and everybody, you, you can see that, you know, it benefits Liverpool to have him not in the starting eleven. Is he the, in the best eleven that Liverpool have got at the moment? You know, the argument that the likelihood is that he's not. And like you say, you put three pacey lads in there. That's a tantalising thought for every Liverpool fan. And, and like then you, you say, put pacey lads at wing back as well. And then, and then conversely, you've got you know he, he's going with the consent of everybody. It's it's on decent terms. And you know, you're probably right. Yeah, it, it's probably the perfect time. I think just before we go to the break, because we are running a bit long. The the other thing I'd say as well is I think it's interesting how Gerard comes into the game second half. He was managing he was managing himself first half a little. I think mm. I think he's aware that he, what that means is there's a strong argument that as everyone's legs begin to tie come April and May, Gerard can still have a huge influence on this season. One, two, some of that influence can also come from the bench, where when everyone's when everyone's had the full season behind him, hopefully Liverpool are still in in two cup competitions. Hopefully they've got a strong strong eye on fourth place in the league Steven Gerrard has still got a lot to say about this season my only thing is I would like to think February first half of March minimum I'd like to think he starts more from the bench than he does on the pitch this is all in the game Neil Atkinson David Downey with you till seven aren't we doing well on the nothing happened derby it's all in the game with Neil Atkinson and David Downey on City Talk 105.9 Neil Atkinson, Dave Downing with you until 7 o'clock or more accurately a time approaching 7 o'clock which Dave's now about to work out he's going to do the thing where he flaps around and looks for a pen to pee oh he's got his pen already um, and he's got a piece of paper as well uh, so before as Dave works that out I'll have a little chat to you about Liverpool's forthcoming game against Chelsea uh, not Chelsea sorry that's Everton's uh, Spurs Liverpool play Spurs this week at home Tuesday night uh, be live here Radio City and City Talk 105.9 uh, if you can't get to the game give us a listen for that but it's now become one of those games which I think Liverpool need to get themselves uh, the victory in. It's it's a funny thing, the fourth place this season. United dropped points arguably away at West Ham, much as Liverpool did earlier in the season. Uh, Arsenal dropped points, obviously, to, um, to Tottenham. Tottenham got the result that they need. Suddenly... It does seem as though if anyone at this stage of the season puts the puts the four and five, five and six, six and seven run together, it'll make a big, big difference, Dave. And I think that Liverpool now they've got the draw. We looked at we were talking at the game. We took we looked at Everton away, Spurs home, Southampton away, and we went, you'd take seven. 
yeah. you'd take seven. I think seven would be really well. Obviously now, but I think seven would be uh, fantastic for Liverpool, given the opposition as well. I mean, well exactly. So you take your seven, yeah. but this is now time. I think Liverpool the pressure's on them because you don't want to you don't want to emerge with five, and that's the key thing. Now it's now become you know and a defeat would be even worse. But you you you've now got to get this result against Spurs, get through the cup game, get through Besiktas, and it's got to be proper. And I, I've got to be really honest about this, Dave. You know, Sterling looked a bit under it. Coutinho looked a little bit under it. A, a niggle here, a niggle there. Um, Crystal Palace, Besiktas. If you've got to rotate, thoughts, if you've got to rotate, yeah. you rotate. Yeah, I think it's it's now time that you go. You know, if we've got to if we've got to look at getting lads, getting their feet up a little bit. You know, I think there's no way Jordan Ibe doesn't start the Besiktas game because he's cup tied for the FA Cup game. But I do think that maybe they, they, you, you rest Gerard for Spurs. Maybe you look at using Gerard in both of those cup games, <laughs> and you almost build a little cup team, a little cup unit. Whether that involves Balotelli instead, whether that involves Lambert, whether that involves doing something a little different systemically, I don't know. But I think there's a strong argument to say Tory coming back from the African Cup of Nations buoyed up you know I think it's it's Liverpool have got to rotate in those games because they've got to give themselves the best possible chance of getting six points in these two league games absolutely and, and rotating is no bad idea when you when you look at who could potentially play in that side and you still have a load of legs fresh for the league games um, the, the interesting thing I think what's happening with the league at the moment is you don't see that one side dropping out to that pecking order that kicked nope. maybe West Ham but they, they were a lot lower down anyway but you know you look at I expected Southampton to go through the motions but part, part of the reason is they haven't actually got to go it's a mad clip yeah. they, normally with, at this point in the season you're at the stage where Arsenal really begin to for instance put the foot down they get at the very least a point against Spurs in that yeah. sort of game normally I think the thing that's, that's helping Southampton is the United aren't doing two points a game Arsenal whilst they were on a nice run before then if you look yeah. further back they're not doing two points a game Liverpool can't quite grab, grind themselves up to two points a game so I think that's helping you at Southampton if everyone's just going along at 1.8 1.9 points a game Southampton is going to feel as though well, we've got every chance absolutely that, that's what I'm that, that's sort of what I'm saying in terms of you know you look at even that draw put it in perspective you look at that draw against Everton uh, Liverpool five points off fourth is that right? yep not worse than how they started the weekend. There's nobody getting away yep. from them because there's sides playing each other. In, in, in a circumstance like this, it almost favours Liverpool to have a lot of sides in contention rather than just the, the other two. Very much so. Um, because obviously they, they end up playing against each other and you've probably got to go there or they've got to come to Anfield. I think it's a really interesting game, this for Liverpool that's coming up, actually. I think it's a it's a strange one to have on the back of a Merseyside derby because it's potentially bigger. Um, in, in, in many ways well, as I said in the first part Dave I think that was in the manager's mindset last yeah. 20 minutes and I, I think it's it, it's weird because it, it feels very much after the Lord Mayor's show in a sense that you know it's a Tuesday night it's a couple of days after the derby but you look at it in context of the season and it's used space but to get a win there I mean it's a, it's a massive mountain to climb for Liverpool to catch them so that, and you know thirds up for grabs as well so there are two places there there are two places um, so you think Liverpool to catch Spurs you know it'd be, it'd be an ask if, if Spurs were to get a victory in Anfield so you know it's a colossal game tomorrow night I think and uh, if, if Rodgers has got a lot about him as, as we said you know we may have had a look at it in the derby then you know he needs to look at you go all guns blazing tomorrow night and then I think Sturridge starts. The rest Palace. I think Sturridge starts. I'd love to start so? Sturridge against Spurs. Yeah, I think at some point he's got to start starting, yeah. and I don't necessarily want him to start Palace or Besiktas. Mm. So I think maybe you make you take the gamble. You give him the sixty. Home games ideal for him. Home games Home ideal game. as well. So that you know all that helps. Um, Chelsea away for Everton. I think it's an interesting one to be honest with you, Dave. In that it does feel vaguely like bonus points for Everton at this stage if they get anything from Chelsea. But that said, 
it's a nice challenge to see if they can. You know, they should be looking to scrap at Chelsea the way in which they just scrapped at home against Liverpool. Yeah, I'd, I'd, well, I'd go with the same team if it meant you didn't have to start Barry's DM, and we do. So I would, I would, I would make a change. There. Would you go Barry Barkley and just be a, a slightly more I, on the front foot? I would. Foot? Yeah, I think I think I would because, like you say, you still approach it as in and nothing to lose type of game. So I think you know the scope there to take that risk. I think Neil and Port put him in. Maybe even start Lennon. Um, don't think Morales was great in the derby. I'd, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have a go at starting Lennon, throw him in there, and then you, you know you never know what happens there. You, you win that, you've got a ten day rest to Leicester at home, and then we've got a decent little run of fixtures where you'd expect us to pick up points. You've so. got the Europa League as well, though, on the horizon. Yeah, we've got young boys coming up as well uh, the following Thursday. So, you know, it it's an exciting. I'm, uh, you know, I'd, I'd try to invigorate, reinvigorate people that it is an exciting time coming up because we seem to have had a run of difficult fixtures on the back of not beating poor teams. And it's the worst mixture possible because you, you obviously it's so much harder to get results against the better sides when you're playing poorly. So um, the fact that that's sort of coming to an end now, it's probably a little bit of a watershed against Chelsea. OK, uh, then know, that's all in the game this week, Dave. You're going all the way through. Press the buttons, man. Press the buttons. <laughs> it's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. On City Talk 105.9.